Hello, be beautiful. Welcome back to another episode of It's Time to Be You, the podcast that helps people pleasers take control and finally put themselves first. I'm your host, Ariel Von Bretter, and I'm a recovering people pleaser here to guide you on your journey. And my question for you today is, has there ever been a time where you felt like you should have said something and you didn't? Like you wish you spoke up at that meeting or that you really wanted a burger instead of sushi and regretted being so agreeable or a situation that made you feel really uncomfortable and you wish you had been able to leave the situation sooner. Well, being more assertive and speaking up would have really come in handy in those situations. And from my experience, people pleasers are not very assertive. Being assertive goes against our desire to make everyone happy, go with the flow, and not ruffle any feathers. But as we are working on taking control and putting ourselves first, we really need to be more assertive. And to help us be more assertive in a way that feels good, we are joined by Kara Tuttle-Bell, a speaker, author, consultant, and activist educator. Her work has been focused on gender equity, sexual harassment, and assault prevention, and all of that is built on the foundation of assertiveness. In this episode, Kara shares her knowledge to help you be assertive, not aggressive, learn how to show up for yourself, communicate your needs, and how being assertive really helps you to be authentic. You are going to learn so much in this episode, and being more assertive is really going to help you in your journey to being you. So I hope you enjoy. Kara, thank you so much for joining me today. Will you just tell us a little bit about yourself and who you are? Sure, and thank you for having me. My name is Kara Tuttle-Bell, and I've worked in higher ed for almost 20 years now. But I have a law degree and a master's degree in gender and sexuality studies. And I've done a variety of jobs really all focused on gender equity. So years ago, it would be talking about things like salary negotiation or speaking with authority, setting boundaries, building healthy relationships. And then in recent years, my work has focused more narrowly on addressing sexual harassment and sexual assault on college campuses. But I still talk about really all of the topics and and I'm happy to. And for me, really the underlying foundation of all that we're talking about is assertiveness. So a lot of my time I spend talking about assertiveness. Awesome. Well, yeah, you're just like a wealth of knowledge. So I'm excited to talk to you today. And and that's what I really want to focus on is assertiveness, because I, like you said, it's kind of like the foundation of everything. So I think it's such an important topic. So first of all, what does assertiveness, what does that mean? Okay. So I wrote my first book on the topic last year and had spent, I mean, the early part of my life, learning it for me. So I promise you, I promise you it can be learned. It's a skill that can be learned and taught. It's a form of communication because I had all of these things I wanted to do, but I was shy. Sometimes I was timid. Sometimes it was inside me, but three days later I was like, oh, I should have said this, you know? So I've had my personal journey, but then when I ended up, fortunately, and and by design, we're doing all this work on women's issues, then Mm. I started researching it as well. So now over the years, because I'm in my mid-40s, I've read hundreds of books on the topic. And the pandemic actually gave me more time to read. It it really disrupted my day job. And so part of 
my reflection was like, okay, what am I going to do? I mean, this really shifted the nature of my work. And so I was trying right. to structure my day. I like structure, I like boundaries, you know, <laughs> and I did this deep dive on assertiveness and speaking with authority. And mm-hmm. I interacted with a woman and she had just planted the seed. She'd been like, Kara, when are you writing your first book? There's got to be a book in there. Why yeah. do people come talk to you? And I said, okay, well, a lot of people, a lot of the younger women at work, a lot of the students at the college campus come talk to me when they need a script for salary negotiation or the job interview, or I'm going to ask for a promotion, or I'm setting boundaries in my personal relationship. And so I had this conversation with Linda, my publisher. She's great, you know, amazing humans. And we were talking around this and we were like, okay, really they're coming for like a an assertiveness pep talk or a crash course. Yeah. But I think that what would be so much better is if we incorporated it for daily living, right? Because mm-hmm. listen, I'll give you the crash course. Anyone can reach out to me. I'll take the phone calls, send you some messages and be like, here's some quick tips. Yeah. But it should be a daily practice of showing up for ourselves, clearly communicating, asserting our own wants and needs, but not you know, at the expense of others, right? So mm-hmm. I think this is an important part of the definition because that's when we get yeah. into aggressiveness. I'm not talking mm-hmm. about steamrolling people. And a lot of times people come wanting to be bolder and confident and sometimes they mean aggressive. And I'm like, no, no, that's not, <laughs> I mean, we can do that. And maybe a few times it's really worth it. But like what yeah. I'm talking about is really a form of communication that allows you to be your authentic self which I hope is a considerate, compassionate self concerned mm-hmm. with justice. So we're not trampling the rights of others. Right. But we're not on the other side either. Passivity or passive aggressiveness where we're just not showing up in that space, not mm-hmm. communicating. Or we are, but indirectly and kind of in a petty way where we're expecting people to read <laughs> our mind, which yeah. I think ultimately just costs us, right? Like that passive aggressiveness, is just not worth the insomnia, the anxiety, <laughs> you know, the resentment. Right. Yeah. It was like that eats us up inside. And then the other person like doesn't even know, like. <laughs> right. Like we're not really accomplishing our goal. Right. Passive aggressive communication. Yeah. And I like that you kind of bring up that assertiveness does not mean aggressive, because I think a lot of times people can just kind of associate it with like, oh, people who are more assertive, they're aggressive and it's bad to be assertive because you don't want to, you know, be the bully of like the office or the people around you or anything like that. So how how do you kind of I mean, I to me, it almost seems like there could be a fine line between those two. So how do you make sure you're on like the right side of that line? (laughs) Yeah, it is a balancing act, okay? (laughs) I have now fully become my assertive self and have a lot of knowledge on the subject now. You know, I've done the time learning, but there are definitely times where I cross the line, right? So you've got to like rein yourself in. There are days where I have tough meetings, tough conversations. I mean, I'm fighting to make people care and respond differently to sexual harassment and assault. The feelings are totally valid, you know, anger. Anger is often valid. I'm fine with anger, but we can come back to that if we want to. But it's what you do with the feelings, right? Mm -hmm. So where is it coming from and how can I harness it strategically? So that's where I think, okay, have the feeling, Mm -hmm. experience it for a moment, but then consider how responding aggressively may feel warranted, maybe what your body is like wanting you to do, 
but it's not going to get you where you want to go. Okay. So mm-hmm. it could be an effective strategy. Aggressiveness could. You could be aggressive in one meeting and get your way. People do it all the time. We see mm-hmm. it. However, what's the long-term effect? People don't want to work with you. Mm-hmm. They don't invite you to the conversation. You get a reputation for being difficult, for being a steamroller, for not being someone people can talk to. It stifles collaboration. And then you've got a different reputation after that trajectory of, of whatever, of like being forceful. That's going to cost you in the long run. So then you're going to have to adjust anyway. So assertiveness, I like as the balance, right? It's where we're trying to land most often. Yeah. Not all the time, every day. I don't, you got to choose your battles. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't like come in hot all the time. It's really not about coming in hot. It's about deciding when it's worth engaging, Mm. packaging your statement or communication or vote or whatever it is in a way, hopefully, that is persuasive, right, that is going to communicate your wants and needs fairly and directly. Mm-hmm. Some of this is you got to own your opinion, you know, like you, yeah. you got to you gotta put yourself out there a little bit. You do. But you can't be so afraid to do it that you undermine your argument or your ask. Yeah. And you can undermine it either way. You can be so timid about it and hesitant that you walk it back. This is poor negotiation skills. <laughs> then, why, then why is anyone going to do this? Or you can like bring in the hammer and then nobody actually wants to have conversation about it. And again, I think aggressiveness, you got to really save that for high stakes situations. In right. life, there could be a few where like that's, that can't be an appropriate response sometimes. But mm-hmm. most of our interactions at work, at home, with family, don't need that level of intensity. Most of them don't. Most of them give us space and time to be in the land of assertive communication. It's clear, Mm -hmm. direct, it's fair, it's understanding the boundaries around your space. Like you you get to make your ask, you're entitled to ask, but you Mm -hmm. also have to realize that other people do not have to receive your ask the way you want. Right. right. So it's it is about like each of us having our boundaries and engaging directly as much as possible. Yeah. So I'm kinda wanna know because you know, it sounds like when it comes to being assertive, like it's almost like that there is some preparation involved to like understand your feelings, understand that you may not want to go the aggressive route because of future consequences and to really own your opinion. So if you're kind of in a moment where you need to be assertive, but like you're not, like you may still feel a little timid. I guess like how can someone, you know, if they don't have like this time to really like pep themselves up and prepare to be assertive, how can they be assertive in like a quick moment? Okay, in a quick moment, it's like you take a breath, right? (laughs) You do have a moment for a breath, you do. If you're having a phone call or a Zoom meeting, like a lot of us now are doing a lot of remote Mm -hmm. interaction, I have post-it notes. I mean, the screen looks clean, but like all of your pep talk messages, the things you want to remember, the like affirmations, put those around you so that like, because we all have these human tendencies to be like, oh, it's not worth it. I don't really need it. I don't need to say it. I'll talk about it later. You know, Mm -hmm. we have every reason to back out. So it definitely does need to become a practice. Like, I think this goes right alongside yoga, meditation, working out, you know, mm-hmm. healthy diet, working on sleep, whatever your stuff is, you know, because if you're too tired 
you can't be assertive. You know, right. when I am tired and burnt out, I am not showing up as my most effective, assertive, persuasive self. I'm mm. not, right? Yeah. I'm tired. So it is, I think, a really good form of self-care. And I don't think we've thought about it like that. I think we've yeah. thought about it as like, oh, I'll just have this burst of activity every few years or when <laughs> something really is high stakes, when I can't take this relationship anymore. Mm. But if you want to build a healthy, and, and there's a lot of talk about authenticity. If you want to be right. authentic, like that's assertiveness. That's you showing up as you are. That's mm. you saying yes when you want to say yes and saying no when you want to say no. That's yeah. you taking care of yourself. That's you communicating with, you know, parents or, or other difficult family members about like the limits of what you can give. So it's right. a real practice of embodying you can't pour from an empty cup mm -hmm. or harnessing ambition, which whatever path you want to take with it, right? So what I saw a lot with doing my research is we definitely talk about assertiveness for women in the workplace. Mm-hmm almost very narrowly with salary negotiation, right? Yeah. And the skills are the same. So if you got a book on salary negotiation, read it. If you can go to a salary negotiation training, by all means, right? That's mm -hmm. what I see most offered. And that's good assertiveness 101, yeah. but we don't do that regularly. So we don't retain it as a skill. Mm. But this has both short-term and long-term practice and goals and results, right? So yeah in the book and in the workshops that I give, we start with some self-reflection, right? Some personal, mm -hmm. internal reflection, some writing exercises, if that's a good way, you know, for you to learn about when you feel strong, when you feel comfortable, when you mm -hmm. feel like you can be assertive, when you feel like I'm miles away from being able to be assertive. Yeah. Then I think another practice to do would be reflect on three times in the past few months that you didn't get what you wanted mm. in some setting. Can be personal relationships, can be, you know, team at work, whatever. Yeah. And really pick apart. You know, you do have to know yourself, right? You have to know what makes you have the boost, you know, that propels you forward. I was just telling someone this. I listen to a lot of Tina Turner on the way to work when I'm like, <laughs> nice. have to bring it, you know? <laughs> So have a playlist and then I dress the part, right? I dress for my day yeah. uh, because if I need to look fierce or be fierce, I find that that reinforces the like, okay, I'm going to power walk into this meeting and I'm going to like show up and I can't hide. Right. I mean, I can have a red jacket. You know, if I'm wearing red, red lipstick, red jacket for me, that's like, watch out world. You know, yeah. It's like, you're standing out. <laughs> I'm coming today. And that just helps keep me going because I'm actually an introvert. No one believes this anymore, <laughs> but I am. So yeah. I also am pretty strict about my outside of work time. I can only do so many happy hours or brunch or these things because I find those fun at the time, but draining. So I have got to have time to recharge. Right. You know, I mean, I've chosen a job where I have to be persuasive, have to have some tough meetings, have to argue with people sometimes. And mm -hmm. I, I mean, I did go to law school and that's really good training <laughs> for all of that, but yeah. it didn't feel natural to me and I've learned it. So I know mm -hmm. people can learn it with practice yeah. and whether, you know, buy my book or not, doesn't matter. Actually, this is like a mission. There are <laughs> lots of good books, lots of used books available from the seventies. Okay. Coinciding with like the women's movement. So we got right. a rush of activity on assertiveness 
and some of the foundational texts in the 70s, like Your Perfect Right. That's one of them. That's a major book. Yeah. Your Perfect Right. And sure, some of the stuff in those is going to be dated. Like there are sometimes you read things and you're like cringe. That is normal. <laughs> Just skip past it. But the content's really good. Then we had another surge in the 90s, really mid-90s. Lots of problematic stuff going on <laughs> worldwide in the 90s that prompted a surge of women's activism, more women running for office, all of these things. Yeah. And so we got a, another round of women in assertiveness books that are also really good. But I think it went away for a while. And I'm just mm -hmm. one of some people that are trying to bring this back, you know, to the forefront. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I think it's just so timely that, I mean, as women, we're still fighting for, you know, a lot of equality and for rights. And, you know, it's it's an ongoing thing. I hope one day we won't have to fight as hard. But for now, we have to. Yes, we definitely do. And I've lived long enough to know that progress is not linear. And if you mm -hmm. study social justice movements, everyone will tell you that it's not linear, that we have periods of backlash. Right. And I mean, I think we're in one. And I think we've been in one, you know. Yeah. And so now is not the time to rely upon pleasantness. <laughs> you know, like, I think pleasantry and politeness is sometimes overrated. It's a shield. Now I want mm -hmm. us to be kind to other humans. Absolutely. We're not going to be rude unnecessarily. Right. But a lot of gender socialization has taught women in particular to be pleasant, to make nice, not to ruffle feathers. And some women are bringing that hesitation and timidity into well, everywhere, their relationships, their, I mean, their personal relationships, yeah. their relationships with men, if they date men, you know, their relationships at work. And I really want us to use that when it's appropriate, but mm -hmm. don't let it get in our way of taking care of ourselves. So that's what assertiveness right. is. Now, when you show up and you're assertive, and if this is a change for you, you mm -hmm. have to know that everyone in your life might not be thrilled about that. Yeah. Because <laughs> you are setting new rules for yourself and your engagement. Mm -hmm. You are entitled to set those rules. You are welcome to change at any time. Okay? Yes. This is no different. But if people have benefited from your lack of assertiveness, your lack of boundaries, they may not be happy about it. Right. If you show up at work assertive in a meeting and people are unusual because they're used to getting their own way, mm -hmm. that is going to give them a moment of pause. Yeah. This is where I lose some people because they're <laughs> like, oh, but it was hard. You know, it was like uncomfortable. And I'm like, yes. Right. Sit in the discomfort. It's another time for a breath. Take a breath before you do the thing. Take a breath when it's uncomfortable. When someone's mm -hmm. looking at you and they're like, oh, I didn't think this was going to go this way. Mm -hmm. And it could be like, I thought I got to pick where we go out to dinner every single day. Or right. it could be like, oh, I thought the vote in this meeting, or I thought we were going to advance this agenda the way I wanted, and now someone's brought up another point. We need to do this. This is what mm -hmm. building diversity, inclusion, intersectionality, considerations, you know, that people often forget intentionally or not to talk about in all of these ways. Yeah. This requires assertiveness. This requires someone to... I mean, it's speaking truth to power, but it's saying, wait, we don't need to do things the way we've always been done. Let's at least talk about this. So yeah. I landed here for a lot of reasons, you know, and I, and I do. I mean, I like, I get worked up. I get mad about stuff. I think the anger's fine, you know, <laughs> try to turn it into fuel. I don't mm -hmm. want you to live in anger. I don't want it to turn into bitterness. But when it comes mm -hmm. up, uh, let it come up. It tells you something about how you feel in the setting. 
And so this also coincided with a lot of activism. And, you know, I had a number of women in particular that I know who Mm -hmm. care about the issues, who will post a very palatable social media post. And that was the extent of their engagement on the issue. Right. And so this was kind of a call to action, too, to be like, okay, we can't stop there. Like, believing passionately is not enough. It's great. It's a starting point for sure. And it keeps Mm -hmm. a lot of us going if we work on a cause. But that's on the inside, what you think and feel. Like, is that changing the world? Mm. I think action is required. So I think assertiveness is the basis of all activism. I think assertiveness is the basis of bystander intervention. I think it's the basis of self-care. I think it's a word we've been afraid to talk about, but it's here or not around us all the time. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've just loved what you have said about assertiveness because, I don't know, I think it's something that I personally have probably avoided because it's just like, it doesn't feel like it's something that like needs to come up, but like you said earlier, like it is just kind of like you can make it a daily practice and showing up authentically and just like speaking up. And and I, ne- I never really thought about assertiveness and authenticity being so hand in hand, but it really is like you are, you know, actually having an opinion and allowing like the world to see it and speaking up. And, you know, you mentioned earlier is like people are going to be a little like, I thought I had control of this. And, you know, I heard I was talking to someone the other day, actually, and we were talking about, you know, when you start showing up differently, you've got to like train yourself and like holding those boundaries and keeping them. But you're also like training other people to like have a new expectation of you and like realize like, oh, I can't just like run over this person anymore. Like they're actually standing up for themselves and, you know, going after what's right. So yeah, I mean, I just really love that you're just bringing this conversation of assertiveness to the forefront because it is so important. And so you've mentioned your book a little bit. Will you just tell us more about the the title of your book and what it really is about and what it incorporates? Sure. Thank you. The book is called Drowning in Timidity, <laughs> Women, Politeness, and the Power of Assertive Living. And drowning in timidity, you know, that's like when one of these times where I'm worked up and I'm venting and I'm like, oh, you know, I need I need people to engage more directly. And so I'm sure that that was something I said where I'm like, we're drowning in timidity, you know. (laughs) And so, you know, one of my friends is like, that's a book title. And so I like Mm -hmm. had that phrase and I kept it down and in my notebook, you know, to come back to it. And like, not all of us are drowning in timidity, (laughs) but sometimes we are like, and so I'm really frustrated about the state of the world or some of the, you know, pending legislation and prevalence rates of harm on campus, you know, on and off campus, actually. Yeah. I do get frustrated and I'm passionate about those things. And so this was like, we have got to get over the way we hold on to politeness and smooth things over. Like, often that's women's role to make things pleasant, to smooth over, you know, to pacify someone else. And I wish it weren't. I mean, I wish... You know, sometimes I talk to young people and they're like, no, it's not like that anymore. And I'm like, well, it's like this sometimes. It's like <laughs> yeah. this sometimes. And when you start to ask them, so I'm like, well, tell me in your relationships, how do you pick a movie? Right? Right. How do you pick a movie? <laughs> and women tend to go along with what we will watch all kinds of nonsense we're not interested in because <laughs> who cares? We're just hanging out. We're spending time with our person. Yeah. And, but the the giving on that front, which is minor, I understand this is not high stakes. It's probably not worth 
ruining Friday night. I get it. <laughs> but who is always giving in? Who yeah. is always getting their way? Right. If you are walking across, you know, town and you're on the sidewalk and there's not room for everyone, who steps <laughs> out of the way? Like, and sometimes that's the polite thing to do. Okay. Like sometimes that is the right thing to do. I'm not yeah. saying like knock people down, but I'm saying that tells you something about yourself. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know where you are on this scale, figure out who you are when you're walking on a sidewalk or, you know, traveling around okay. on a plate. Do you get the armrest? Do you never get the armrest? So there's lots of these little things that kind of tell you if you're claiming your rightful space in the world or not. If you are always inconveniencing yourself or not. But I bet, I bet it's tied to way more than that. Like it's more than the armrest, you know? Yeah. We know that it's about women's pleasure in their sexual relationships. And that takes a long time for women to get there. Like when you survey women about like, when are you able to talk with your partner about what you like, what you need, what you don't like? It mm-hmm. is often not in the teens or early 20s. It's <laughs> often much later, you know, and like, yeah. let's just make up for some of that time. Right. Let's, let's just start sooner. But nobody's teaching you. Like nobody's teaching you. I mean, side note, like... <laughs> I could talk your ear off about the state of sex ed in this country, which yeah. I think is insufficient. <laughs> right, it's like a whole other topic. <laughs> oh, it's a whole other topic, but it's related, right? We're not yeah. teaching anyone to talk about what makes them feel safe, what makes mm-hmm. them feel joy and pleasure, what we want from our partners. And this is this is all boundaries, right? This is wants, yeah. needs, and boundaries. It's the same thing. Now, assertiveness won't prevent all harm. And I'm not trying to oversell it, okay? Yeah. Because some people are just intent on violating our boundaries and causing harm. And some people yeah. want to do that. And so, you know, I think it is transformative in its potential, but it's not going to always keep us safe. Right. In our relationships, in the workplace, you know, out in public, it's not. But there is some research that I thought was really interesting. I do talk about this in the book. And there's a different chapter on different aspects. So there's like at work, early in your career, you know, there's a chapter on experiencing and navigating sexual harassment. And Mm -hmm. then I kind of close with the call to raise angry girls, you know, like let them be angry. And here's why. It's because I do spend so much time thinking about preventing sexual harassment and assault. Mm -hmm. There is some research that tells us that... Among those who've experienced it, there were moments where they wish they trusted themselves, trusted their Mm. gut, not let a comment go unaddressed or a touch. And this is post-incident, right? So Mm -hmm. they've already experienced the harm, whatever it was. And that is so common, right? So part of this was, you know, I want to help people trust the warning signs that come up early on and assert yourself. Because there is some research on perpetration that tells us that the people who are doing these harmful things are using these little tests to see if a person is going to be an ideal target for what they're trying to do. Wow, like testing their boundaries. Yeah, the like what we learned from survivors and what we learned from offenders together. And sometimes you think they wouldn't talk to you, but they do. So we get like great research and, the, and they're yeah. saying, yeah, I always test the boundary. Like you, you say it, something that's a little too sexual or inappropriate to see mm-hmm. if they're going to respond. Yeah. You know, you do try to get them into a private, semi-private way to, and so see if they'll go with you. So my message would be like, 
if you don't want to go or if you're not ready to go, I mean, you can always decide later too. You can be like, that's a good time not to be talked into something, not to go along, not to be pleasant. If any part of this is giving you pause or making you uncomfortable. Yeah. And then I'd say the moment an interaction takes a turn and starts to be uncomfortable, you know, I would like more people to speak up when they feel safe doing so. Right. You're not always going to be safe doing so. And assertiveness then does not have to be verbal. It can be appeasement to get yourself out of something in a safe way. So Mm -hmm. I just want to be careful about that too. Like prioritizing your safety, asserting your boundaries when it's safe for you to do so, that's absolutely part of the message, right? So it's it's not yelling fire and kneeing your tacker in the groin, which is a lot (laughs) of the advice we got for decades in all situations. There might be situations where that works, but sometimes it's like, I am going to excuse myself from this conversation and you can do something like, you can just say you're going to the bathroom. This is a great exit strategy. Most people do not ask follow-up questions when you say you're going to the restroom. And then you like, you have taken care of yourself. Right. That is also assertiveness. You have removed yourself from the situation and left. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be loud and it doesn't have to be brash. So- I talk about direct and indirect resistance. I also know this is really hard for some people. So it's about easy entry, Mm -hmm. really simple exercises to start, and then building over time. Because the building over time is when you speak up in that meeting and you survive that tough meeting, Mm -hmm. then you know you can survive the tough meeting. Right, Right, yeah. I come back to my office and decompress all the time. You know, vent with friends. Absolutely. Vent with friends in a space where it's not going to derail your, you know, career aspirations or your goal. Right. So it's about like control, sitting in the discomfort, holding firm. Mm-hmm. Hard part. Yeah. So, just stop talking or get off the phone. <laughs> you know, like whatever it is. Exit strategies are absolutely part of this. Sometimes you have more time than you think. And you can always revisit something. You can always come back to it again. Yeah. And so... Knowing that you don't have to resolve anything, learning that you can survive the tough conversation or the meeting, all of that's going to make you more able to do that again. Right. So when you come back and you've survived the difficult conversation, you actually feel really good that you stood up for yourself or Mm -hmm. stood up for your cause. You actually can let things go and sleep more peacefully because you did the best you could that day. So this actually will bring you peace and decrease anxiety, decrease resentment because you engaged. Mm -hmm. You did what you could. You controlled what you could control. So I have a job and I love doing tough work worth doing. And but most of the time now, now at this point in my career, not so much early on, but now I can rest easy at the end of the day, knowing Mm -hmm. I did the best I could recharging my introvert self, you know, yeah, and then go back out and do it the next day. Right. And the only way, the main tool in my tool belt is assertiveness. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love that it's kind of like do small things to prove to yourself that you can do it and then do it again. And it's like the more you do it, you're going to build up your confidence that you're able to do it. And then that just helps your confidence that you're showing up like you're supposed to. 
And then, yeah, and then kind of going back to, like, the other examples, like, when you're feeling uncomfortable, like, that trusting your gut and really trusting yourself. Because I think that's another thing that women kind of struggle with is trusting themselves Mm -hmm. or even having that gut feeling but being, like, no, I'm going to, like, ignore it to, like, please someone else and just go with it or I don't want to upset or offend anybody or whatever. But it's, like, no, you need to trust your gut And like you said, you can always come back if something changes or if you feel comfortable or whatever, but you need to trust yourself in that moment and keep building off of that. You do need to trust yourself. Now, full disclosure, I had a law degree and a master's degree in gender and sexuality studies, which was definitely like social science, political science. Yeah. I'm not a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) However, my friends who are, right? So I, I work with a lot of smart people on a college campus. My friends who are in neuroscience, you know, convince me that trusting our gut has a scientific basis. It's in your basal (laughs) ganglia, okay? So it's not just an old wives' tale. I want you to do it, and I want you to believe in it, and I want you to hear me that it's science. They have convinced (laughs) me that it is science. You should trust your gut. And again, start small with that, too, because that's a really, really good practice, right? Mm -hmm. You mentioned it when we're younger, especially— we do talk ourselves into going along with things that make, we talk ourselves out of asserting our boundaries. Yeah. I want you to talk yourself into asserting your boundaries. How many friends do you actually need? (laughs) (laughs) Really, everyone does not need to like you. You, humans, do not like everyone else. You don't, and that's okay. They're made up of so many different people. It's fine, right? We don't need to be rude to them. We don't need to trample their rights. But we don't have to like everyone, and everyone does not have to like us. Yeah. Some people don't like me, and that's fine. You know Mm -hmm. what? That's okay. I fight sexual harassment for a living. You can't do that effectively if I were most concerned with pleasantness. Right. I am pleasant. Yeah, like there's more important things. But there's more important things than everyone thinking that I'm a really nice lady. Right. <laughs> I would say, ask yourself that, really. How many friends do you need? Do we even like all our friends? Right. <laughs> no, I love that of like, we don't even like everybody. So why why should everyone like us? And I'm curious because you kind of mentioned that, you know, you've had your own journey with becoming more assertive. So I guess when was it that you kind of realized, like, I need to be assertive? And yeah. what did you start doing? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I'm from a really small town, and there's some pros and cons to that, right? So yeah. small school with the same students for a long time. So I think that people thought I was pretty assertive in that context. I was really comfortable in that context, knew who I was. Yeah. But when I moved out of that small town to a much larger town, but still not yeah. like a <laughs> metropolitan area, you know, I was attending a college at state school in Indiana where I was like one of 25,000 students. And part of that was really nice because you can't hide in your small town. And so I was like, oh, I just get to be. But then it was, okay, you know, like I'm just blending into these groups. My professors would write things on my papers like, great job, please talk more in class. I was like, (laughs) why do I need to talk more in class? So in class, though, I started like sitting in the middle to the back of the room wherever I was hiding. My male classmates, a lot of of men in political science— my mm-hmm. male classmates would say things, and I'd be like, well, oh, that's not that profound. I, mean, I could have said that, you know? Right. Like, and 
now that I'm in the classroom, at, you know, as a professor, I'll tell you, they love it when you talk. So just please talk. We, yeah. we love people who participate in class. Otherwise, they have to do all of the talking right. I mean, that can do. But it's we want to hear from you. And your boss feels the same way. You know, like people mm-hmm. in the on a committee feel the same way. The meeting is terrible if nobody's participating. It's yes. slow. You know, it's not fruitful. It's not why you're hired. Like, you've got the job. You deserve to be there. You yes. you deserve to be in the space. I'm actually fine with faking it until you make it. I don't want you to fake it forever, but mm-hmm. it can take you a long way. And the practice then begins to feel normal. So we right. can fake assertiveness till it feels comfortable and it will eventually. So it was like budding in college where I was like, okay, okay, you know, and I went to law school. And my true self wanted to go to law school, but I was intimidated. I really was. I was intimidated once I got there. And I realized, you know, there's a lot of driven people, a lot of ambitious people, and I'm fine with ambition, you know, but it's like, I'm not getting a word in. You have thoughts, you have opinions. I also was realizing, like, I'm not getting to know people. I'd move to a new town. You know, like, you cannot Mm -hmm. be this quiet. You're going to just have to jump in. You're going to have to talk. And also realized people liked me more that way. People like figuring out who I was. And sometimes they think you're funny and sometimes they think you're really smart. But if you're not showing anyone any of this, how does anyone know? Right. And I think a lot of women too are waiting for recognition, right? If they, Especially if they were good students in school, because you yeah. think my teacher will see my work and I will get my A and my gold star <laughs> and my teacher will know. But yes. I got to tell you that like that method does not translate into your personal relationships or at work, your Mm -hmm. supervisor is busy. The people you want to see you in some other area of the company, they're busy. They don't see you. They're not going to see your A paper. You know, like you're going to have to do some of the work of presenting yourself. You're going to have to ask sometimes for the extra opportunity. Otherwise, the same people will be doing all of the talking, will be doing all of the presentations, and a lot of times they're mediocre. Right. <laughs> Look around. You know, like there are so many people that are not impressing you. Right. Mm-hmm. So you deserve to be there. So as much as I wish we could just like get over imposter syndrome, we'll just <laughs> get up. you know, I know there's some work involved because I had it. I did. Yeah. But law school is a great crash course. Now, it's not for everyone. <laughs> I mean, it will definitely propel you on your assertiveness journey because you get called on. And you have to talk, you know, but there are plenty of quiet women, you know, Mm -hmm. in my graduating class who've had quiet careers. Actually, most of us are not going in the courtroom. That's just TV. You know, like most people are reading and writing and doing it in offices and not litigating, not showing up at trial lawyers. You know, that's not everyone. So it is not the key. Sometimes Mm -hmm. people are like, oh, you went to law school. And I'm like, yeah, you know, like that's actually perception. That gives me some credibility when I walk in a room. Right. Even in 2022, people are still like, she's a woman lawyer. They're qualifying it with women. You know, like, but that still means something because that tells you, doesn't it? That tells right. us that we expect women to be pleasant. And mm-hmm. I might be an exception because I'm a woman lawyer. I think that's so funny. There's lots of us. I mean, it's not rare. It hasn't been rare for a long time. And so I know that that image precedes me into an, a room mm-hmm. and Actually, that's permission, isn't it? That gives me some permission to be a little bit more forceful than they might otherwise be expecting. Mm -hmm. I am also a feminist, and everyone knows that about me. So sometimes they're like, oh, this feminist sexual harassment prevention lady is coming to present. (laughs) Now, I could 
try to make them like me more because they're projecting their own nonsense onto whatever that description means to them. You know, like they're, or I could lean into it, right? Mm. I choose to lean into it. If they already think they are not going to like me or they're going to disagree with my message, I am just (laughs) going to be like, yeah, you're wrong. Yeah. (laughs) I'm a sexual harassment prevention lady. So if you know you're right, which so often we do, and Mm -hmm. I mean, I supervise a lot of social workers, right? And victim advocates and like, we are right. You can know you're right. But using assertiveness is also like how we're going to be effective. Yeah. We're going to be effective and you know, U.S. economy, capitalism, that rewards a lot of aggression, you know, especially Mm -hmm. like 80s movies, you know, and messages (laughs) and market structure and workplaces run by Gen X or boomers. You know, some of us are older. We were raised in a very unhealthy, aggressive, dog-eat-dog, climb that you crawl your way to the top type environment. And so Mm -hmm. I know you're encountering it. This will actually help you deal with those people. I don't want you to turn into those people. Let's not perpetuate the harms of all of this. But they are not used to someone disagreeing with them Mm -hmm. or even just practicing inclusion. I mean, a lot of it is just like, have we considered this in the meeting? That is worth doing. They may not be used to it, but it's worth doing. So, I mean, you can tell. I just think it's the key to all kinds of interactions. But you don't have to bring it all the time. It's going to, and it's going to feel exhausting. You're going to be tired. Yeah. I am tired after a big meeting. I am not as fearless as people think that I am. So they see me show up and they're, they just think I was born with all this confidence. (laughs) And I'm like, no, no, it is a practice. I have anxiety after a meeting. I'm always like, should I have said this? Oh, I don't know if, (laughs) you know, I do all of that processing afterwards. Yeah. But so you're human. <laughs> I am a human. We are all humans. We are not robots. We are humans with emotions. And oh my gosh, all our interactions are emotional. You know, yeah. my husband's in finance. During our period of remote work, I got to witness some of that up close in a way I hadn't seen before. He is managing emotions. Yeah. They all think that they are, it's about the bottom line. And it's, you know, I'm like, all I see is emotional management over there and a lot of unhealthy communication. So no matter what you're doing, we're dealing with humans. We're dealing with emotions. We are engaging in communication and assertiveness will help you. It will help you. It'll help protect you. It'll help advance you. It'll really help you accomplish your goals, whatever those are about living the life that you want. Yeah, I love it. I'm just like, there's just so much more we could talk about on this topic. And I just, I love it because, I mean, it really is just like the foundation of so much that I didn't realize. So what is one last message that you want to leave with people today? Okay. Well, I mentioned like that final chapter in my book. It's called Raise Angry Girls. Now, you may or may not be a parent. It doesn't matter, actually. Just let people experience their anger. And here's Mm. why. It is a message. It is telling us something. I don't want it to take over anyone's life, right? But in moderation, like in moments when it comes up, that is a message about mistreatment or injustice or boundary violations, right? Mm -hmm. It is, it's a message. So I really worry that when we raise children. I mean, want to be seen and not heard. That is so harmful. Yeah. It's so harmful. 
I see the worst of it. You know, I mean, I hear about people who are talking about trauma they experienced in childhood where they were told not to tell anyone. You yeah. know, so I do see the worst of it. But just know that there are so, like the harms of that kind of messaging does mean it's taking us a long time to undo and right. unlearn. And yeah. so just consider sitting in discomfort exploring our anger, not being so afraid of it, not suppressing it, because then what happens? Then it can turn into, you know, depression, resentment, Mm -hmm. insomnia. Then we find other outlets that may not be healthy for us in the long term as a coping skill. So, you know, this is unusual. I know a lot of people view anger as a bad emotion, but consider what it's telling you and Mm -hmm. consider how to use it strategically. That is something I really hope people can let themselves explore. Yeah, I love that. And it is like, we shouldn't ignore that. I mean, we shouldn't ignore any of our feelings. We need right. to, you know, recognize them and acknowledge and see what it's trying to tell us because that's what our emotions are. They're trying to tell us something. So yep. I love that. So where can people, you know, get your book and connect with you? Yeah. Well, I hope this makes it easy. You can find me on my website, which is karatuttlebell.com. And then I try to have everything in alignment. So whatever social media or LinkedIn you're on, it's at karatuttlebell. And the book is available on the website there. You know, I have it as an ebook. I have it as a PDF. It's just, I really just want to make it available. And it's on Kindle. If you do that through Amazon, you can get it at walmart.com. Professional Women Network sells it. Innovative Women has a bookstore. So it's, a, it's in a, a couple different places. And sometimes I put free downloads and other tools on the website. So, you know, please come visit and don't hesitate to reach out if anyone has any questions. Awesome. Well, I'm definitely going to put all of that in the show notes. And I mean, thank you so much for this. This has just been a really great conversation. And I know that people are going to see assertiveness different and start being more assertive so that they can really be their authentic selves. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I hope this conversation with Kara made you realize that being assertive isn't so scary and that it really is an essential part of being yourself and taking control of your life. And I love the small things that Kara mentioned to help you be more assertive, like putting post-it notes around your computer as reminders, using music to pump yourself up, and dressing the part to show up for yourself. What was your favorite takeaway? Come join us in the free It's Time to Be You Facebook community to discuss how you are going to be more assertive and let us support you and cheer you on. And be sure to connect with Kara on social media and at her website, karatuttlebell.com. And for more help with becoming more assertive, check out her book, Drowning in Timidity, Women, Politeness, and the Power of Assertive Living. It's time to speak up for yourself. It's time to make assertiveness a daily practice. It's time to be you.